Very good morning to you all. Grab a seat, grab a coffee, grab a donut. My name's Neil. I'm married to the wonderful Kate, who you've already met. Uh, first of all, just to reiterate, if you are new here or you're visiting, do fill out one of these Connect cards. Do actually stick your name and a few details about yourself and give it into Mike so that we can get in touch with you. Uh, that's the first thing I need to say. Uh, the second thing I need to say is um, I promise you that I did iron my shirt this morning. Um, I'm not sure that the iron was on when I ironed it, but um, I just want to make sure that you don't think that I kind of just dragged myself out of bed and fell here. Um, I, I did actually make an effort. Um, So it's very good to see you all uh, here this morning. The uh, start of any new year is always, there's always a degree, I don't know if you find this, there's always, it feels to me there's always a degree of uncertainty. Is, um, there's always this, a sense of, of the unknown. What, you know, what is it that lies uh, ahead? I think it was, um, was Banquet in Macbeth who said, if you can look into the seeds of time and say which grain will grow, and which will not speak then unto me. And as we embark on um, every kind of new year, we, we, I think we often find ourselves wondering and wishing that we knew what lies ahead, which grains will grow, which uh, will not. And you'll be familiar towards the end of 2015, beginning of 2016, sees lots of people making their predictions for what they think the future holds. What will this year bring? Will this year see Donald Trump in the White House? Will Marco Rubio pip him to the post, become the first Latin president? Hillary Clinton, first woman American president? I think 2016 sees the Security Council uh, choosing a new uh, general secretary of the, the UN. Maybe that will be a woman this year? Could be this year be the year of the, the woman? Um, what, about, what about the Middle East? What about the, what about the Middle East? What's, what's going to happen this year in the Middle East? You know, forces, continue to, forces continue to clash. You've got, the, you've got the jihadis, you've got the armies, you've got the ethnic groups, you've got the liberals, everyone just confronting one another in this huge kind of melting pot of disaster. What about, um, what about Syria? What about the Yemen? What about Libya? What about Islamic State? How will, the, how will the refugee crisis, how is that going to develop over the coming uh, 12 months? We, you know, we, we all experienced 2015. 2015 was a year the world was shaken to its core by just a series. I was looking through the list of terror attacks that happened in 2015. It's absolutely horrifying when you look from January to December, the number of terror attacks and the number of people killed as a result of those things, whether that was through uh, Boko Haram, Charlie Hebdo, Kenya, Charleston, uh, Syria, Tunisia, Turkey, Lebanon, Mali, California, Paris, and just so many, so many, many, many more to mention, just too many to mention. As we embark on 2016, do we have that sense of, do we have more of that to come? And how is it that we face all of this un 
certainty? How are we to hold our ground? How do we hold our shape in the face of what actually looks like a pretty bleak and pessimistic outlook as followers of Jesus? How are we supposed to respond to all these kind of things? Well, um, for those of you who were here last week, as we said last week, the first place that we turn to um, in times like this uh, is this book here. It's the Scriptures, the Bible. Uh, So if you've got a Bible, why don't you turn with me to Acts chapter 19. And knowing the Scriptures and um, starting the year like we did last year with a talk on uh, the Bible is incredibly important because it's at times particularly like these. It's just another, just a yet another reminder why um, knowing what happens in here and what's in here is going to have a direct and fundamental impact on what happens in here and in here. You know, what happens in here, our emotions, our anxieties, our fears, all those things. What happens in here in terms of our thinking about how we process what we're seeing happening around us should all be directly informed by what we read in here. Because um, in the midst of all kinds of difficulty, all kinds of strange goings on in the world, when you read the scriptures, one of the things that you read is that Jesus said, do you know what, all of this is entirely predictable. Jesus says, um, this is all, all going to happen. Luke chapter 21, you see it again in Matthew chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 24. Jesus says, you know, when you, when you hear of wars, when you hear of uprisings, don't be frightened. When Jesus says in Luke 21, he says, when you, when you see wars, when you, you hear rumors of wars, do not be afraid. He said, when you see nation rising against nation, when you see kingdom standing up against kingdom, when you basically, this is a paraphrase, when you see people basically losing the plot and doing all kinds of crazy, nutty things, when you see all of this uncertainty and stress and anxiety going on all around you, Jesus says, don't be anxious. Jesus says, when you see all of these things beginning to take place, when you see all of these things happening around you, Jesus says, stand up, lift up your heads, because the time of your redemption is coming near. Stand up, lift up your heads, because the time of your redemption is coming near. What Jesus says is when the world around you is like literally falling apart and descending into absolute chaos, Jesus says, that's the time to look up. Look up. He says, don't focus on what's going on around you. Don't look down. Basically, um, turn your attention to what's above. And what Jesus is saying in Luke 21, Matthew 24, he's basically saying, don't succumb to fear but turn your hearts towards faith. Don't give in to hopelessness. Instead, let the Holy Spirit fill you with hope and then carry that hope with you wherever you go. Be filled with the hope that comes from the presence of God and then slosh that hope around you in all the places that you find yourself. So when we see all these things going on around us, we're to look up because the day of our redemption is near and just just sort of by way of encouragement and when we see all of these things happening around us it doesn't mean to say 
that the enemy, our enemy, is getting any stronger. It doesn't necessarily mean that the world is actually getting any darker. One of the things that it means is that, in actual fact, is that God is coming nearer. It's an, actually an indication of the fact that the presence and the power of God are coming closer. And one of the ways to think about this, I had someone say this uh, a while ago, is, is to think of it a bit like a boxer on the ropes. I don't know if any of you are boxing aficionados, but you know what happens. You have, you've seen a, a, a boxing fight. Uh, when a boxer's really beaten in a fight, right up against the ropes, one of the things that they'll do is they'll kind of thrash and flail wildly throwing any kind of desperate punch in an attempt to get out of that situation. And the punches that they throw are usually pretty aimless and they're pretty pointless because, in actual fact, the fight's already over. And that's one of the things that we need to remember. We need to keep ourselves mindful of in the same way when we see these things going on in the world around us. We need to recognize, that, um, we need to recognize them for what they are and see them as desperate last-ditched attempts of the enemy who is up against the ropes. We need to remember that the enemy has already lost and that God's kingdom uh, is coming. And so when we see these things happening around us, let's not fall foul to fear, but let's fill our hearts with hope. Do not be afraid. Do not be frightened. Lift up your heads, ye gates, and that the king of glory uh, may come in. So even though it's pretty likely that life isn't about to get very much easier anytime soon. How is it that we live with hope? How is it that we live with hope so that hope not only fills our hearts, but it spills out onto the highways and the byways and the streets around us? So let's have a look at um, Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. So, Acts chapter 19, verse 1. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. Now, um, you'll probably be familiar with the fact that Ephesus, Ephesus was widely known. Ephesus was well known as being a pretty sort of um, godless, broken, um, dark city. Uh, sort of, I don't know... Um, uh, think along the lines of, I don't know, Bangkok, maybe, or Manila, uh, Monte Carlo. Uh, basically, um, tricky, difficult places. Ephesus was a, a godless place to be. And uh, as such, because it was a godless place to be, of course, that's exactly where Paul decides to set off for. And so Paul heads off uh, into this place, and, and he shows up in the middle of Ephesus. He shows up in the middle of this all this godlessness and all of this brokenness and all of this darkness. And um, one of the things you've got to remember about Paul when he arrives in Ephesus is he arrives and he he arrives in this city and he's he's actually he's, he's got no equity. He's got no standing. He's he's not known there. He he he's not known uh, for anything. He literally just shows up as just one individual in this vast depraved city. And the, what the Bible says in Acts chapter 19 is that he meets some people. Uh, so have a look at verse, three, uh, verse 2. It says, um, there he found some disciples. So he's in Ephesus. He finds some disciples. And uh, he says to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And, and they respond, 
no, we haven't even, we haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. Now, you've got to agree, I, I think, when you read this, I think it's a bit of a random introduction. I don't know what you think about that. Um, you've been at lots of drinks parties and stuff over the Christmas period. Um, here's Paul, he's in this overpopulated city. He's run into some people, I don't know, maybe at the supermarket, maybe at the pub, uh, maybe at a drinks party just before Christmas. Uh, it's, he's sort of walked up to them, and he's, it's like the equivalent of going, Hi, uh, I, I'm Neil. Nice to see you. Nice to meet you. Um, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you first believed? It's kind of like a little strange. And um, unsurprisingly, they kind of look at him and go, okay, maybe this guy's a little bit weird. I don't know where he's from. It's a little bit strange. Um, but let's just put his weirdness to one side. What the heck is he talking about, this Holy Spirit? What's this Holy Spirit thing he's talking about? Did you know, did you know there was a Holy Spirit? No, I didn't know there was a Holy Spirit. Have you ever heard of the Holy Spirit? I've never heard of the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit? I've, no, I've never even heard. There wasn't even there was a Holy Spirit. And Paul's looking at them and going, what do you mean you don't even know there's a Holy Spirit? And they're saying, no, we didn't know that. We never, no one ever told us there was a Holy Spirit. They said, so what happened when you first became a believer? Well, we were, we were baptized. We received John's baptism. Okay, water baptism. And Paul says, okay, well, that's good. You know, that's a great start. That's how, we, that's how we come into this thing. We, we, we come to faith in Jesus. We give our lives to Jesus. And what we do as one of the first indicators that we've given our lives to Jesus is we get baptized in water. We get immersed in water. We die to our old self. We go under the water. We die to our old self. We're pulled out of the water as new creations. And it's an outward demonstration of what's happened internally with us in terms of giving our lives to Jesus. And so Paul's saying to them, that's great. That's a good start. It says in verse 4, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told, he told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, um, Jesus. And then what Paul does is he says, okay, well, um, basically what he says is, but while I'm here, right, would you like to receive the Holy Spirit? Would you like to receive the Holy Spirit? Verse 6, it says, uh, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. When he placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. Now, here's the thing. This is, this is, this is the point. It's not possible to live a life of faith and not fear. It's not possible to live with all the fullness of hope that we need. It's just not possible to live in spite of all of the challenges of your circumstances. It's impossible to live in the, in the fullness of the power and the glory um, of hope without the, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's, it's just not possible. It's just not possible. We need the Holy Spirit to bring us alive. Because the hope that we hold on to, the hope that's going to get us through 2016. It is not something that just comes from deep within ourselves. It's not something that we kind of will ourselves into. It's not the power of positive thinking. Our hope doesn't come from something uh, around us. The hope that we have, the hope that's going to get us through, comes from someone who lives inside us, and that someone is the Holy Spirit. 
And so Paul's saying to these chaps at his drinks party or in the supermarket or in the pub in Ephesus, wherever he is, basically what he's saying is, I want you, I want you guys to be immersed in hope. I will, irrespective of where you've been, irrespective, irrespective of what you've been through, irrespective of where you're from, irrespective of who you are or what you've done, it doesn't, none of that matters. I want you to be overwhelmed by, immersed in, surrounded by, filled with the hope that comes from the Holy Spirit alone. Uh, some of you will know our eldest son, Joe. He's, um, he's 20. Uh, he's just uh, recently come back from um, a year spent with Jackie Pullinger in Hong Kong. And um, Jackie Pullinger, as I'm sure you will know, uh, she's been working in, in Hong Kong for the, for the past 50 years, it's, uh, it's 50 years this year that she arrived in Hong Kong and um, started ministering and started working with some of the most hopeless and desperate people um, you, you could find, her, heroin addicts. And um, Joe, our son, he's come back and he's got story after story of how just a small team of them, uh, a small team of the guys would go out onto the streets of Kowloon and just talk to mostly heroin addicts about Jesus and telling them that Jesus wanted to set them free, telling them that Jesus wanted to give them hope in the midst of their hopelessness, that Jesus wanted to bring them hope. And many of the people that they would talk to um, would give their lives to Jesus right there on the street, just time and time and time again. Mostly, he says, because they tried so many things, they tried so hard to get off and out of that life of addiction, that they were willing to try anything, even Jesus. It's like, I'll try anything, even God. And so they would talk to people on the street, addicts, and they would give their lives uh, to Jesus. And then after a few nights, literally just a few nights of constant prayer, they'd have teams of guys with the addicts, praying with them 24 hours a day, mostly in tongues, just reading the Bible over them, and praying for them, almost every single addict would be um, addiction-free, mostly pain-free, uh, and so having a, had a pain-free withdrawal, literally after just a few days of just being ministered to. Just incredible stories. And, and there's one thing that I've kind of left out of, um, of what, what they did is every time they met someone on the streets in Kowloon or wherever it was they were. Every time they led someone to Jesus, and every time they introduced someone to Jesus, at the very same time, they introduced that person to the Holy Spirit. They introduced that person to the Holy Spirit, and what they do is people would give their lives to Jesus, and then the team would place their hands on them, Acts 19, and the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit would fall upon them, and they would speak in tongues, Every time, Jackie won't take no for an answer, right? So um, every time they would speak in tongues, as soon as, they'd came, as soon as they'd come to faith, and more often than not, they'd begin to prophesy. So you've got these desperate, broken, hopeless people meeting the Son of God and meeting the Spirit of God and literally having their lives filled with hope in that moment and utterly transformed. And the reality is, now we may not be in terms of that, that level of extremity, in terms of desperation. But every single one of us, we need that power. We need that hope 
to get through, just to get through life. And any power that we may have in and of ourselves, it's just not going to be enough to get us through the things that we face. Just think back to some of the challenges that you faced in 2015 and ask yourself, how on earth would you have even begun to face those things had you not had the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit living within you? I sometimes wonder, I think life is hard as a follower of Jesus. I have no idea how anybody who doesn't know Jesus even begins to get through life. Kudos to them. So, Paul basically says to them, hey, you know, have you heard there's a Holy Spirit and his power is enough and sufficient to sustain you? And so he places his hands on them and the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And basically that's a polite way of saying that everything got gloriously messy kind of in that moment. Because, you know, how does Paul know that the Holy Spirit has come on them? There must have been some kind of sign. There is a sign. There are ways that we can tell that the Holy Spirit has come upon somebody. When we minister to one another, you, you can see you can see the Spirit of God resting on people. We often say that, you see, the Spirit of God resting on people. Most of us are kind of going, I don't know what he's talking about. You know, next time, look. Look around the room. You can see the Spirit of God resting on people. You can see, his, you can see the effects of the Holy Spirit. You can see um, someone's face will suddenly just become incredibly serene and peaceful. There'll be, um, uh, sometimes there'll just be a, a glow and a radiance, the sort of Moses experience. You know, he'd been with God and his, his face was radiant with the presence of the Lord such that he had to have a veil. Sometimes you'll see people's eyelids fluttering. Sometimes their hands will, they'll tremble. But you have a look and you can see the signs. You can see the effects of the Holy Spirit at work. You can see his hope. You can see his glory. Just, you know, later on when we're ministering to one another, if you don't know what that looks like, grab someone who looks like they've been around for a while and say, show me what the Holy Spirit looks like. And just have a look at people around the room and you'll see him at work. And you notice that Paul places his hands on these guys? That's um, why we lay hands on people when we pray for them. I mean, we're not just like, we're not just making this up, okay? We're, we're doing this for a reason, and we're doing it because it's in the Bible, you know, the B-I-B-L-E, do you see? And so we try to do what's in the B-I-B-L-E, and, 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 and so we lay hands on people. And what we're doing when we lay hands on people is that we're hoping, we're hoping that the sort of stuff that we're seeing in Acts chapter 19 and all over the Bible, we're hoping to see that that kind of stuff is going to start happening when we lay hands on people. We're hoping that exactly the stuff that we see happening here in the B-I-B-L-E is going to start happening when we lay hands on the people that we lay hands on. And what we're hoping, um, whether that's uh, here or whether that's at the school gate or whether that's um, at work or whether that's at the pub as we saw on Friday night at the Alpha party, what we're hoping is that the, the God, the Holy Spirit who fills our life with hope as we lay hands on other people he is going to fill their lives um, with hope. It's not weird, it's not dodgy, it's not just here for the church. It's what um, people like Paul did when they show up to places like Ephesus which are pretty pitch black and dark and hopeless and depraved and he brings the hope that comes with the Holy Spirit. They bring life, they bring healing, they bring hope. And so Paul lays hands on them, they receive the Holy Spirit. And then it gets really messy, okay? So um, this is where things get messy because verse 6, they start speaking in tongues. You know, it's like just, it's Ephesus, I suppose that's acceptable there. You know, it's certainly not Wimbledon, wherever, do you see? 
just doesn't happen on, you know, center court. So Paul lays his, holy, his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit comes on, and they, they began to speak in tongues, and, and, they, and they prophesied. And, and all that means is they began to communicate with God in a way um, and in a language that they'd never done before. And um, we don't talk enough about tongues. I don't know why. Um, we need to talk more about tongues. We need to, we need to um, fan that gift into flame. We need to be, we need to recognize the weapon that's in our, our um, armory, you know, the tool that's in our toolbox of tongues, and be praying at all times. We need to be praying in tongues at all times. And um, uh, we need to kind of reawaken and, and, and reawaken our commitment to that gift. But these guys just suddenly start speaking in a language. They start using words that they haven't even accessed before. And it's literally just bubbling out of their mouth. It's just kind of come up this wellspring of life and wellspring of hope that's just suddenly filled them and then bleh, it just, just spills out. I was, uh, I was 16, 15 when I became a, um, a Christian. I was on some camp in Ireland and we were in a caravan site. It was all a bit strange. And um, I gave my life to Jesus and uh, literally just after I gave my life to Jesus, the guys said, do you want to you, you receive the Holy Spirit? And I was like, yeah, okay, fine. And so they laid hands on me just like this. I was in this caravan in this um, very staunch Catholic part of Northern Ireland at the time. And um, I started speaking in tongues, and I couldn't stop. And I had no idea how to stop, right? And I, I was loud, right? <laughs> and so there was 15, and they were praying for me, and I was just shouting in tongues at the top of my voice, for hours in a caravan in Donegal. And, um, and they were going, this is great. Could you just turn it down a bit? <laughs> I was going, and uh, it just kind of went on like that. And um, it was just, I don't know, it was just I, hope springing up, welling out, spilling out, joy. Um, just wonderful. Uh, because that's what happens when you meet hope. You know, when you've been stuck in some dark corner, when you felt trapped, when you feel desperate and hopeless, and then someone comes and rescues you, someone grabs you by the hand and pulls you out and gives you hope and gives you life and brings you out into the light, the utter joy and the utter relief of that finds expression. It spills out. So these guys speak in tongues, and not only do they speak this new language, there's this new language of tongues bubbling up of them, out of them in joy, they also begin to prophesy. And what that means is that under the influence, now under the influence of the Holy Spirit, they begin immediately to speak hope out to other people. And so what they do is they're literally speaking out the plans and the purposes of God for his kingdom to come. And they're then speaking that hope out and that life out to other people. Because in and through the power of the Holy Spirit, hope has filled their hearts and filled their lives. And their hearts have been baptized with hope. And then it says in verse 10, have a look at this, verse 10. It says in verse 10, this went on for two years. So that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Two years. This went on for two years. Not them speaking in tongues. Uh, Possibly, but I don't think that's what it means. Um, but Paul, this, this idea for two years, Paul goes around the city to the supermarkets, to the pubs, to the synagogues, to, you know, whatever. And he leads people to faith for about two years so that 
all the people who lived there heard the word of the Lord. All the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. They all heard the word of the Lord. It's incredible. One day, they just sat around Ephesus, just getting depressed, watching EastEnders, and um, the next day, hope is filling a region. Hope has come to this dark corner. And everyone starts to wake up, and they all start to kind of move into and step into and draw near to what God's doing. Because verse 11, God was doing extraordinary things through Paul. God literally begins showing up. He shows up in these just in most uh, unmistakable and, and kind of intangible ways. You know, just the sort of thing that you need when, when life's going pear-shaped, when life's really dark, when life's really difficult. Um, because when life is broken, we need something extraordinary, and something extraordinary happens. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, verse 11. So that even, verse 12, even handkerchiefs and aprons, this isn't strange at all, that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Like this is proper power encounters happening in the midst of darkness, catalyzed by the Holy Spirit coming. The presence of God has fallen. The power of God comes. And um, things that have been holding people captive are being broken. So when it feels like it's getting darker, when it feels like the enemy is getting stronger, what we need is a work of God. What we need is the power and the presence of God. What we need are extraordinary works of the kingdom to dismantle and to take down and to break down the works of the enemy and to dispel the darkness. And that's great. But there's a slight problem. We can't make it happen, just in case you hadn't noticed. We, we can't make it up, and we can't make it happen. Um, have a look at verse 13. This is what happens when we do. Verse 13 says this. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, my, my little, that's my, my covering, in the name of Jesus, who Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Uh, seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest, they were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about. But who are you? And then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them all, and he gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding one of those deliverance sessions that has gone less well. <laughs> Sometimes they don't go well. This is, this is pretty bad. If that happens, just give us a call and um, we'll talk you through it. But um, yeah, you're not supposed to run out of the house naked and bleeding. Okay, so if that's happening at house group, let us, let us know. But what you've got here... What, what you've got here is, is actually, sadly, it's a, it's, a, it's a bit like a picture of the church. It's a bit like a picture of the church um, trying to do what Jesus has called us to do, uh, probably with all the best intent, but without power and without presence. And 
If God's power and God's presence aren't there, if there's no power, if there's no presence, um, as many of us know, we just end up, we end up getting beaten up. We end up feeling vulnerable. We end up feeling naked. We end up um, broken. So these guys in verses 13, 14, 15, they weren't moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we need that power. We can't just um, make it up. And then it gets really interesting. Um, Have a look at what happens next. Verse 17. So when this became known about the guys sort of running out of the house naked and beaten and bleeding, when this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear. And the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Verse 18. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they'd done. A number who practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total they came to was 50,000 drachma. In this way, verse 20, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Um, What we've got here is as a result of people seeing what happens when you try to do life without the power and without the presence of God, what you see here is this picture of repentance falling on a city. What you see here is repentance coming. These guys, um, many of those who believed, verse 18, these were believers. right? They were just believers who'd been practicing sorcery in secret. But because of what they'd seen, the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor and they were seized with fear. You've got these people, they already believed, they're already believers, but at the same time as believing in God, they were actually and effectively just carrying on living their lives as if nothing had really materially changed. They're just kind of, you know, doing life the way that we've always done it. We've always dabbled in a little bit of sorcery, you know, we're from Ephesus, that's what you do, you know. Yes, I've become a Christian, but, I, you know, and I've been a Christian for a few years, but I can, I can still do a little bit of sorcery on the side. Oh, I'm all no. It's okay. You can do both. And for us, we need to think about what are the cultural norms for our society. We say, yes, I've come to faith in Jesus, but I'm, I'm going to carry on doing, you know, the things that everyone does, you know. It's London living. I'm just going to do that on the side. No one need know. <clears throat> no one need know. Um, just be warned. They're just carrying on doing the same stuff, believing, behaving the same ways that they'd always done. But when the presence and the power of God comes near, um, some of these practices, some of these choices, some of these decisions bubbled up to the surface. And basically people said, you know what, actually, we can't carry on living like this. We can't carry on living in this dual standard. We can't carry on calling ourselves followers of Jesus and carrying on living like this. It's got to be one or the other. And um, they said, basically, we've got to get our house in order. And so what you see here is this incredible picture of wholeness and cleanness and repentance beginning to fall on believers at Ephesus. And stuff that was going on in secret was suddenly brought into the light. And what they did is they brought their secrets in. They brought their sorcery. They brought their scrolls. And they brought them out. And all the stuff they were doing behind the scenes, they brought that out and brought it out into the open. And they openly and publicly confessed what was going on. Because basically what's happened is in the midst of this deep darkness of this city, God has shone the light of his presence and power, and as his spotlight's fallen on, 
and his presence and his power have come, um, everything has come to light. Because it all comes out in the presence of the Lord. And one of the things that we're really excited about this um, year is whether, whether we realize it yet or not, um, the light around here is getting brighter. Right? The, the light is getting bright. This church is, whether we realize it yet or not, this church is a bright light of God's power and God's presence. You people are bright lights of God's power and presence. You know, through things like um, Job Club, through things like Food Bank, through things like uh, What Pram. What Pram starts, is it tomorrow? Anyone who's pregnant? Miller and Sarah doing what pram? Again, fantastic opportunity. You know, any of you who have had children know that that's one of going from no children to children can be one of the most challenging life stage moments uh, of all. And so being involved in something like what pram is a fantastic way just to be supported by people who know and love Jesus. Whether you know or love Jesus or not, just allow the power and the presence of God to come and bring you and deliver you through that life stage. Uh, through things like Wattpram, through things like uh, Sozo, through things like Alpha, through things like what goes on in your house groups week in, week out, through your prayer groups, what you're doing in Vineyard Kids, what you're doing with youth, all those kind of things, all the sort of things that are in here, all the small groups and all the kinds of, and many, many more beside. If you haven't signed up for a small group, the flyers there, they're starting soon. But through all of those things, you guys are bright and shining lights. But the way that you, um, beyond that, beyond just like ministries of the church, the way that you carry yourselves and conduct yourselves in the workplace, the way that you choose to carry yourselves and conduct yourselves at the school gate, the way that you choose to spend yourselves on your neighbors and on the people around you and in the communities in which you live. You are bright, shining lights. And when the light comes it's really difficult for the darkness to hide. And so um, my prediction for this year, for what it's worth, is that the Lord is coming nearer. The Lord is coming nearer in even greater measure and in even greater glory. This year we're going to see the Lord coming nearer and um, his presence is coming to this church. Um, his power is coming to this church in even greater measure and even greater glory. So, what I'm trying to say is don't be discouraged if and when you see darkness bubbling up or surfacing in people's lives and the lives of people around you. Because when you see the darkness bubbling to the surface, it's because the heat's being turned up. It's because the light is being shone and the, the, the brightness of the light shines up some of those things and darkness can't overcome it. Because when, um, when darkness surfaces, basically the Lord is near. It's an indicator that the Lord's near. And in verse 20, in this way, the, the way that I'll finish with is um, the way the Lord spread widely and grew in power. That's the outcome of all this. You see, what happens is the Spirit of God falls. Uh, Paul lays hands on these guys. They, they, they speak in tongues. They prophesy. The power of God comes, and extraordinary miracles are done. As a result of that, repentance follows. And as a result of that, the word of the Lord spreads widely and grows in power. How many of us are praying for more? How many of us are going, oh, we want more, we want more, we want more. More of your presence, more of your power. You know, we, we need the Holy Spirit to come. That's what we need. We need to be asking. We need to be seeking out, inviting, creating an atmosphere, welcoming for the Holy Spirit to come. We need, first of all, in ourselves to be receiving the Holy Spirit. 
to when Kate says this morning, just kind of get, metaphorically, get your buckets up, just receive them, take all that the Lord has for you. That's the time not for us to step back, that's the time for us to step in. Because as we receive His Holy Spirit, as God's presence comes, as His power comes, um, we need to recognize that repentance won't be far off. And, and that's the bit that kind of, to be honest, we're all a little bit scared of. It's like, oh, do we have to do that bit? Is there not another way? And there isn't. There isn't another way. We all want the increase. We just don't want the repentance bit. It doesn't happen without it. Um, but this is the way in which the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. So, God's up to something. God's up to something this year. Don't be afraid when you see the headlines in the news. Don't be afraid when you see what's going on around you. That's the time to look up because your redemption, the day of your redemption is near. And God is up to something uh, in the world. God is up to something in this church. God is up to something across southwest London. God is up to something in our lives. And it all starts... Um, with being filled with the Holy Spirit. This year, let's be a people who have this book in one hand and this hand open to being filled and receive, receive the Holy Spirit. Okay? Amen. Amen.